Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. That gain up a little bit, my guy. Up. Just a Let little bit. A little coming in a little low volume. Yeah, 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 yeah. How's that? Yeah, it's better. Fire. Good? Okay. Man, look like he about to do a, a fire uh, TikTok bands remix right now, bro. <laughs> Corvette, yeah, Corvette. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's it. <laughs> Man, I, bro, I haven't seen you. Frivolous beat. I haven't you seen uh, Asan's face in like months. Like, Oh, yeah. It's been a minute. Like I've seen your posts. Like you don't you don't post that much either, so it's like rare to just see like actually your face. When he does, he's still not his face. It's like making fun of some shit. Where I'm like, I respect it. I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> I try to let my mind speak for itself. Ooh, look at this. Yes, King. Yes. No, no, don't no, don't snap that. That's some that's some Kyrie Irvin ass bullshit made up. <laughs> Your mind hey, always the, speaks hey, for itself. That's what the, the earth is flat though. The <laughs> earth is flat though. <laughs> there are parts of it that are flat from your perspective, if for that's sure. what you were trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bro, yeah. What's, what's up, up with that? What's up with that Gremlins beat? So come on, man. I need the that remix, oh. man. <laughs> oh, I do. I totally forgot. I'm a, yeah. I'm a, I'm gonna cook that up and get it to you. I promise. Yes. All right. Yeah, and I need that Daddy Cool beat too. Still. <laughs> Daddy Cool. But you did such a fire job on the uh, Joshua Tree beat that I don't even feel comfortable asking you for anything else ever again. <laughs> <laughs> no, my I, my production services are an open door. Y'all feel free to ask me for anything. Love Appreciate it. that. For those yeah, listening, man. if you've seen Joshua Tree, the only part of the song that wasn't me was. The beat, which is by Hassan. But the story of the beat, I think, is actually pretty funny because, you know, I came to I came to you and I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I got this idea, but I don't know what it is yet. Can right. I get like, I thought you just had beats lying around. I'm like, yo, can I get like five, <laughs> six, seven beats and I'll just sample them? And you're like, yeah, I got you. Monday, dog. Yeah. And it's like the next Thursday and I'm like, so what's up with them beats? And you're like, <laughs> all right, I got this. And it's just like a snippet of a beat that's just, it's just like the bones without any... Mm-hmm. any bass any drums <laughs> and i just it, it's just like some did you record that with your own voice like that hey um no no that was a sample it okay. was like a some from like a from like a sample free sample pack or something like that okay so all i have all i have is that hey and maybe like some like synth i don't i'm not to describe music that well uh yeah synth, yeah <laughs> so i wrote the whole song around just basically those two songs and sounds and nothing else <laughs> Yeah, man, I like to. Um, yeah, I ha- I always have beats lying around, but like when you're asking for something specific, I like to like create it for you. That way, it feels like special, you know. Hmm. I mean, it was special. It was some good ass shit, honestly. Like, oh, I appreciate it. It was what I what I what I enjoy about just especially our group, Lemon Pepper Wet. For those who do, for for those mm-hmm. who don't know, Asan is in the group. She just he, hasn't been on the. He has a girlfriend and like a life and shit, so we don't like bring him to shit. Yeah. So you like wouldn't think. You wouldn't he's, think, he's but yeah, he's, he's, he's in the group. Life, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the I'm the key I'm the Keenan Ivory Wayans of the group. <laughs> ah, I'll be, be low key. Uh, well, <laughs> I ain't Marlon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'm let there. y'all duke it out over who's yeah, who's who's who. But but no, yeah. I said that to say that I, what I like about our group specifically is that yeah. you know everyone's like intelligent, and in that process of making that song, you know, even though you gave me something very bare to begin with. I uh-huh. gave you back very specific like ideas about what I wanted, and then you also had some mm-hmm. creative liberty within that, and you just fucking mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park. Like I love when I talk to somebody and I say A, B, and C, and they come back 
D, E, and F. You didn't, you'd be surprised how many people come back X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, what the, where was your brain at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man, yeah. Uh, I think that uh, ability to like kind of vibe where each other is at, I think is what makes us work well together. So yeah, I love y'all, bro. Hey, bro. Also, uh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's why we were better off at the at the grit when we was just not thinking about it. That's when we were <laughs> our most potent, bro. I mean, yeah. we had to rail a couple things in here now, but you know, like, yeah. like, but the energy was correct from day one. Yeah, yeah. Like, how long y'all been practicing? Like eight years? No, bro. We just are cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's like I, I think our team in the beginning was like. Uh, it reminds me of like a lot of different basketball teams I've been on where like you have so much talent and it works right away until you lose a game bad. And right. then everyone starts looking at the other person like, nah, motherfucker, you was out here shooting too much. Nah, you was out here passing yeah, too yeah. much. Like when you don't think about it, it becomes easy. But when you do have all that talent on one team, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. I think the Nets, for example, will struggle with that this year. Like what they lost yesterday, look at all the negativity mm-hmm. they get as a result and like everyone breaking down why they lost. A guy like yeah. Kyrie, a guy like James Harden, they're not going to take that well. And it's, it's the no, best teams that, know. you know, come through that on the other side with, you know, whatever the clunkiness that leads to. Yeah. I think you, I mean, we saw that with the, I think we saw that with like, I think that happens in football a lot too, where like teams will like play really well in the regular season and then their all their flaws and stuff will show when they get to the postseason and they will crumble right before your eyes. And you're like, but I thought y'all was good. Yeah. Are you saying like we did that? I was saying another version no. where we like lose a few games, we still are champions. You just said oh, yeah, we yeah, just yeah, crumble yeah. in the yeah. playoffs. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about, I you know, how the ship wrecked, bro. He said, he said That's no. why you haven't seen Hassan. He thinks we're donezo, man. <laughs> not, not at all. You ain't see me because I'm hiding from this virus. Smart man, smart man. You got to be ducking and diving. Duck, dive, yeah. duck. All five Ds. <laughs> For sure. So what have you been doing then? What's 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 your last like few months been about? Shit. Uh no, uh I've been doing like a lot of music stuff. Uh been in my producing bag. I got some original music coming on the way very soon, very soon. Um yeah, I've been doing a lot of podcasting. You know, I have my own podcast and then another podcast that I do with Carl and just yeah, just doing a lot of <laughs> basically a lot of shit I can do at home on my computer. <laughs> that that type of stuff but you know this, this, a lot of stuff that people are doing right now yeah a lot of jacking off we get it <laughs> yeah yeah all of that <laughs> i'll be letting myself have it <laughs> beat my dick like it owes me money exactly <laughs> but i think another reason why we never see a sign is because well now that corona has happened you can't be touring yeah. man what was up with them tours bro can you break yeah. them down like people was just glimpsing you, just getting a, a field of motivational-looking white woman dancing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It looked like she, he was like repeatedly like entertaining Hillary Clinton's like TED talk. Yeah, like warming them up. I'm like, what is? Who are these people? It it was funny when um when when Joe Biden like was officially like officially declared the winner of the election and they had that kind of like that celebration thing where they were playing like Higher Love by Whitney Houston and everybody was cheering and confetti. I was like, man, this takes me back to when I was doing that. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was uh one of uh one of the the people I have the pleasure of DJing with uh, happens to be like a motivational speaker, and so we would tour around and do wow, these big man. like motivational conferences and stuff, and we were. Supposed to do like 
almost a dozen shows this year, like all around the world and stuff like that. But uh, as you, you know, as people can guess, um, COVID kind of knocked that out. And uh, but hopefully we'll be back at some point in the next, you know, couple years maybe. And and when stuff gets back to opening up with this uh, vaccine and whatnot, then uh, yeah, we'll get back on the road. I have a theory just based on yeah. who you were working with and the type of stuff you were uh-huh. doing that you're like yeah. low key the richest one in the group. You just don't be talking about it. <laughs> I wish white women pay for that shit, dog. Like white, white women, women pay top dollar duckets, for everything. Bro, paying duckets. Now, I do need to write a book though. That's like the that's what I need to do. I need to write a book. Because they, lo- they love buying books. That's what, that's what I need to do. <laughs> Bro, you don't need to do a book. You overdoing it. All you got to do is go on stage and be like, hello, ladies. You got to keep pushing through. You can't let nobody hold you back but you. <laughs> Man, that's facts, though. That's a bar. That's facts. That's true. That's I mean, true statements. You could all, I mean, in a, in a very real sense, let's say COVID ended tomorrow, right? And right. the tour was back on. I don't know what you were getting paid before. Mm-hmm. I think you could at least guilt trip these white women into paying you double. Facts. Like, yo, you seen what Facts. happened this last summer? Reparations is in the form of paying me what I'm worth. Yeah, Y'all love Facts. me. You love what I do. And clearly the budget is fucking enormous. Like, I, again, I don't, this looks like some Scientology ass fucking David Miscavige shit. Like, I don't know what this is, but the budget yeah. is huge. They can pay <laughs> I, you double. I, yeah, I, I'm, uh, forget all that. I'm charging double just because. Everybody needs some encouragement right now because because Rona got everybody sad. So my so I'm charging a, a Rona uh, Rona surge tax on my on my rate. I'm in said, motivation said, is in high demand. He said I'm a Lyft or Uber at one at two a.m. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, exactly. you got to give me mines. I need I'm Jack in the Box at three in the morning when you hungry and drunk and just got out the club. They don't add, they don't up the prices. They should. They should they should hire me because I would I, tacos would be instead of two for a dollar they'd be one for two dollars at four in the morning. You imagine if you were on a road trip and you coming in town and you just like damn I just need to grab something real quick just get something on my stomach I've been driving yeah. all night niggas uh-huh. like oh that'll be twenty five dollars what yeah that's that's literally so there's so many places in society where that actually exists like don't yeah, get hungry at an NFL game or a minor league baseball game. Don't get hungry on your drive from Provo to Salt Lake City. You know, there's going to be st- times where you will yeah, have no choice sure. and people know this. Don't get hungry at, a, at an amusement park. Don't oh, do it. Facts, Don't facts. do it. But, but that's yeah, the point. Yeah, that's $100. These, are, these are supposed to be the port, port in the storm when you, when you don't have them <laughs> options. You just fall back on the Jack in the Box. Yeah. The Jack in the Box fucking you too? That's too American for me. I don't need it. I, I, can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't have it. I can't that's have full, it. That's full America right there. Full American mode. We're starting match. our own Jack in the Box. We're calling it Black in the Box. And it's just, I'm with it's, it. It's, it's, it's different price tiers depending on what your melanin levels are. Light skin is going to pay a little more. They're going to pay a little more. Man. <laughs> I'm with it. You just point up at the thing at the top and be like, how much did that cost? And you just point at the map and it's, it's a great yeah, yeah, The lighter yeah. it goes, the higher the price. Yeah, that's a privilege tax. Hell yeah. Man, I was, I was mad earlier today. Kelly's on the, on the phone with her like homegirl who, who we haven't seen in like years. They li- mm. She lives in Portugal now with her dude. I remember when they when she met this dude. Just the corny. I mean, I'm not gonna say corny. He's just a white it's guy. Too late. He's you fine. Already He's said fine. It. <laughs> He's fine. No, I take it back. I'm taking it back. He's she fine. Can't do it. Can't He's do not corny. It. I wanted to say corny because I'm just so used to saying it. He's not corny. He's just a regular, just mm-hmm. white guy. But I guess mm-hmm. neither of them have worked in like three years. 
and all they do is oh. just horseback ride in Portugal and they and they like lived oh. in Malaysia for a while and they might move to like the Maldives or I don't know. They're must just rich be. as fuck. Must okay? be. <laughs> yeah, and, and Kelly that's was crazy. saying that he just got in on Bitcoin early and I and I and I was like, Yeah, it must uh, be uh. nice to be white. And she's like, No, he she just he just got in on the on Bitcoin early. I'm like, I, nobody there's never been something that black people have found where we only told each other and got rich. It's never existed. Like 99.9% of people be. who got in early on Bitcoin were white dudes age 22 to 32. There wasn't some other group just invited to this goddamn party. So, yeah, I'm mad. I was mad about that. And I was mad that she came back like, like it made sense in some way. No, it doesn't make sense. We need our own shit. I don't know what it niggas, is, but we need it. Since niggas just got through the door, we still shaking off that crab mentality. Like, yeah. now niggas is like, oh, no, I, I got put up on game, but I'm not going to tell you shit. Which is, I feel like the, I feel like the the next black, I feel like the like the black Bitcoin thing. I think is is, and I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs of this. It, it seems like sketchy to me, but it's like this forex trading stuff that everybody's doing. Like I feel like that's like the the black Bitcoin. Break right it now. down. Yeah, I don't even know what this is. Get me some money, man. Tell me this shit. So I feel like everybody that I went to high school with is now getting into. It's called forex, but it's like the foreign exchange market, and it's basically you're like playing. You're investing in, you're buying and selling foreign currency and trying to play the exchange rate. Like, so, you know, as the exchange rates fluctuate, you're selling off money in like random ass like currency markets. And that's what like people are trying to do, like trying to make quick money come up. So, like they'll they'll buy like the Swahili dollar or some random ass like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then it goes up, it, you know, it quadruples and then they sell it real quick. Like and then it, and then it plummets. It's back down to negative 20. So if you still have it, like it's, it's extremely volatile, which is why I think like white people aren't super on board with it yet. But um, but black people, a lot of black people have been doing it. Niggas got to do the thing it's with the most insane risk yeah. applicable. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, white yeah, people yeah. get the stock market and shit. We got we got to go yeah. trying to bend dolly dollar and shit. Be like, hey, at what's that, your yeah, at those today? numbers, I might as well just sell crack, motherfucker. Like it's you get rich, yeah. bro. but you the pitfalls are huge. 20. I don't know. It's volatile. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's is wild. And on that note, <laughs> on that note, because I mean, we're talking about you know black people and wealth, and I think that was a yeah. big theme in the movie we watched. Yeah, black excellence. Yeah, how black, to uh, be success. black and excellent? Yeah, yeah. Fucking that was that, that was the no, theme. Yeah, it doesn't look one way. That's one night right. in Miami. I thought it was. I looked it up after. I thought it was maybe a true story, but it's. It's just no like way. a bunch of stories that they <laughs> no, kind of bro. turned into this other thing. Because I was like, damn, like, they were all in the same hotel that night, and then all this cracked off? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Shit. Yeah. They, they, they didn't write no articles, they no pictures. <laughs> you missed the opportunity yeah. at the end of the movie. You should have had a show with that. <laughs> How many photos did Malcolm X take? I was like, where are these pictures? They right. got to be somewhere. The archives? <laughs> like, yeah. These apparently, in a museum in London? Where are these? Apparently, it's adapted from a play. It is uh, a, like a play. Script. It is a whole play. It's not adapted from a play. It's a play on screen, bro. Right, like from basically. The, from the first scene, I was like, okay, well, I'm in Stowford play. Like, I was like, I hope it's good because everything yeah. about it, from how they were speaking, from the fact that there's really only five sets in this whole movie. <laughs> Man, yeah, yes. they in that hotel room for like an hour and a half. It's wild. Bro, so like, when they left the hotel room, I was like, though. is it over? And then there was like 20 minutes more movie, and I was like, I don't. I don't get this. I don't know. I don't know what's happening with this inside outside thing. He kept going. Right. Like, Let's party. I was like, y'all don't. Y'all can't party, man. One, it's a play. Two, you know you ain't had a budget for no party scene, nigga. Yeah. So why you even keep mentioning this party? That being yeah. said, um, the performances were crazy. I think 
and then nobody yeah. else I've spoken to believes this, that the nigga who played Will, I mean, who played Muhammad Ali was good, but at times he sounded like a nigga impersonating Will Smith impersonating Muhammad Ali. Yes, yeah. Thank yeah, you. I think uh, so he was too. the early in the movie. And I, I, I said this like out loud as I watched it because they, you know, the fight scene mm-hmm. that really did happen. You know, the the yeah. the fight and every all his antics right. afterwards. I said out loud, I was like, this all happened, but watching it here, it looks fucking silly. And I don't know why. Mm. Like, it, it didn't, maybe there wasn't enough lead up as the importance of the fight or anything like that, but it just <laughs> felt like watching him do it, I was like, oh, God, this is tough. Like, I hear this movie's good, man. Just get through this, whatever this is, because it, it was goofy. It was also the drop in to a movie. It's, it's hard to drop into a movie with somebody that iconic being the first thing you're impersonating. And it's like, it's a fight scene. It's like a boxing fight scene. So it's automatically not going to be, you know what I mean? Like boxing scenes are hard to shoot right. you know, and make look believable, especially when you're trying to give the vibe of a play, which that was. And then to have somebody doing an Ali doing, I told you, I told you, I'm a bad man. <laughs> ah, it's like, all right, man. Yeah. Like, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like, it's a boxing scene in a movie that's not about boxing. That so like, part. Yeah, in a boxing movie, typically, like like you take Creed for example, the reason why those boxing scenes work, it's not just it's not because like oh, there it's the most amazing boxing choreography you've ever seen, but like all the drama of the movie hinges on these boxing matches, so like it matters more. In this, it's not really about boxing, so like you see all the flaws of like the boxing and the way it's shot, and there's none of the like a drama, like none of the drama attached to it. Like so that's why it's kind of, you're like watching boxing but in a vacuum, and it's fake box fake boxing yeah the gloves look crazy too big (laughs) i was like what is up with this man's gloves (laughs) and also because it's not a boxing movie yeah you say not the choreography until you see the choreography not there and you see a poorly shot fight scene you go Mm. oh i don't like Mm -hmm. it icky icky and then it's ali and it's even more so like "Mm -mm, no how dare (laughs) you what is this shit it feels like like a combination if if it had been because this was fictional, but like around mm-hmm. real events, if it had ended with the fight scene and there was some sort of like, yeah. I'll only join the Nation of Islam if I win this fight or something like that, would have been mm-hmm. really locked into that fight scene. Opening with it, I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, it's way too much like yeah. weird celebration for a fight that we don't care about at all or that we already know the outcome to also. So it doesn't feel like, I don't know, I didn't really know how to take that, but... The stakes uh, play yeah. of it makes sense. It's like, yeah. all right, here we go. This is the stakes right. of the movie. So it's like, this yeah. is sad. I will say... I will say, uh, as far as their performances, I think the the group was uh, like great. I don't greater than the sum of their parts. I guess like yeah. I, I you know individually their their performances varied, um, but I think together I I bought them. They had good chemistry in in my opinion. Like I thought they they I believed them as friends. Um, I didn't always believe um certain ways that the script had them interact but i did like the actors themselves like i i kind of bought their chemistry like they seemed like they knew each other you know yeah Hmm. there were a lot of moments where you are watching it and it feels like a movie your grandma would make you watch and then (laughs) Uh also (laughs) certain believable parts where you're like oh yeah if i'm kicking it with the homies they get that that's reasonable but then there are other parts where like motherfucker don't nobody talk like that what the fuck are you talking about that's a really good point because I think lately I've also seen so much very good black cinema and TV, mm-hmm. like in the last like few months, that this it took me way longer to ease into. 
because it, yeah, for all the reasons you guys are saying, and it, like even yeah, you're right. The way that the characters were on their own, it didn't. Mm-hmm. I really had to like let it like let it breathe because the themes of the movie, and we'll get to these, I'm sure in a few minutes, are like very strong mm-hmm. and very well written, like in those parts. But yeah, each person on their own, you're kind of like, <sighs> and because and keeping in mind that almost. I don't know about Sam Cooke, but the other characters all have movies about, like, biopics about them already that were done so well that it's hard to see them portrayed a little bit worse. And I mean, maybe a lot worse in the case of we had Denzel and Will Smith playing (laughs) Ali and Malcolm in other movies, and it's now these two other guys, and, you know, a lot of, like, not well-known actors at that. One of which is British. Which one's British? Yeah. Which one was British? Malcolm. Oh, okay. He uh, to me, he was probably he was, he was probably my, that was my favorite. Question. Who was the best? I was like, yeah. who's your favorite? Who was the least favorite? So he wasn't my favorite character, but he was definitely my favorite performance. I like I like his act. I agree the most. with that. Yeah. He was the most one. I was like, yep, I get it. That's it. That's yeah, yeah. what I think about. Yeah. I I got that. I read that because it's not only this not the Malcolm X that white people know about. It's also like to be that there are other sides to this man. And he mm-hmm. encapsulated that perfectly. You know what I mean? Totally. As opposed to everybody. Like, I mean, Leslie Odom was Sam Cooke because Leslie Odom is a freak of nature <laughs> yeah. at singing. That's right. really what it was. That last yeah. scene is why they made Leslie Odom. And then like Jim Brown and Ali are like, okay, like, all right. Like Jim Brown, <laughs> I like the dude who was in Jim Brown. He was in Supernatural. Yeah. He's in a whole but, bunch of shit. But he's I also in Straight Outta Compton as like a... As what's uh, I name? think he's um is he I think he's MC no he's not MC guy who loses his voice he is um yeah I'm trying to remember right wow this is really embarrassing from the West Coast and I can't remember this fool's name I'm just blanking right now shame uh, shame shame but yeah he's in, but he's in um another biopic also so it's 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 hard for me to like separate that too because I've seen Straight Outta Compton so recently yeah he's he's MC Ren he's MC, MC Ren in, in okay. Straight Outta Compton. He was also in. I first saw him in uh, in in Friday Night Lights Underground. Yes, he was. He was like the the troubled New Orleans kid who like was a really good quarterback or something like that. Mm -hmm. Worse than the movie, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The football was definitely better in the movie. um, By far, and that's really as we have covered on this here podcast why Mm -hmm. it is better. Okay, (laughs) like, but um. No, uh, Jim Brown had one of my favorite scenes though, because the um, oh he's he was the, funny the go the, the scene to, in Georgia. Yes, that is perfect. Yes. I was like, there you perfect. go. Yeah. I was like, that's it. I was like, you got me. Well, all the out I, I was with with Ali, that scene got me back. I was like, these motherfuckers, you got me. I was like, yeah. that right there is a beautiful uh, on the nose. Go, detail detail that scene. By the way, if all you're listening to this, spoilers like a motherfucker. Detail that scene and why it's so fucking good. So so Jim Brown, you know, being Jim Brown, uh, rolls up to who must be a booster's house or something, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, he's like, oh, hey, is Mr. So-and-so home? And I guess it's his daughter or his wife. Who knows? It's the South. They could be both. Um, comes up uh-huh. and is like, she's like, mm. she's first of all apprehensive. Like, well, who's this hand nigga in my door? And then he's mm-hmm. like, uh, hello, it's uh, Jim Brown for your, for your whoever. And she's like, 
Football's Jim Brown. You're the football star, Jim Brown. As she runs through the house, keep saying, football star, Jim Brown. There you go. Highlight. What are the only time we are acceptable? Oh, you the football, mm-hmm. nigga? And so he comes back. Jim Brown's about to step inside. And the dude's like, oh, I'll meet you out there. And you're just thinking, oh, okay. He's just on top to want to talk to him. They had this whole conversation. He's like, hey, I'm so proud of you. Our families have known each other forever. Anything you need, I got you. Da, 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 da. You want some tea? Let me bring you out some tea. Lemonade. This, that, and the third. Lemonade. He was like, yeah, we'll do this, that, and the third. He's like, you know, anytime we care about you. You're a big fan. He was like, uh, I'm very proud to tell people I'm from where Jim Brown's from. And he's like, oh, thank you very much. And then I forgot what he asked to go. Was it the bathroom? Why they had to move. To they had to home? move a piece of furniture. Oh, he was like, "I'll help you mm-hmm. with that." Jim Brown, being a football star, going, "Let me be nice. I'll help mm-hmm. you with that." And he was like, ha, ha, "Oh, come on now, Jim. You know we don't let niggas in the house." And Jim Brown is has standing in the doorway. Is this crackerjack? This mountain dwelling motherfucker walks back inside <laughs> like that shit was just okay to say. And Jim Brown has to sit and be like, "Damn, you are right." No matter how big we get, we still niggas that can't come mm. in the house. And like I was like, yes, 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 yes. One, two, uppercut, bitch. That right there yeah. <laughs> is, first of all, that's why Jim Brown didn't have to say shit else in the rest of the movie. Because we are. <laughs> he served his purpose. Is it like, hey, guess what? Which, uh, which made, like, which is what's weird when they do Leslie Odom, who plays uh, Cole, coming in later and doing the wife argument, and she goes, "I'm uh-huh. fine staying over the black house." Da 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 da. He's like, "Nah, I gotta get this white money." No, nah, nigga, you're not gonna beat the Jim Brown thing. But you're not gonna beat the Jim Brown. We know white people racist and don't want to hear this nigga sing. We know white people go, mm-hmm. mm, "I like the version from Sarah better." Look at that fucking. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't have the same punch, but. That Jim Brown is not number two favorite scene in the movie. My my favorite Jim Jim Brown moment was when um, <laughs> they realized that nobody else was coming to the hotel room, and he's like, "But I wanted some pussy." But tonight. I wanted some <laughs> pussy tonight, <laughs> uh, bro. Girl, I hit girl. the floor. <laughs> that one got me. I was like, That's Jim Brown. I was like "Okay, was, okay, movie." All right, Jim Brown's uh, best friend Richard Pryor. That's some Jim Brown shit yeah. right there. I was like, that makes sense. <laughs> Hey, that was that line was doubly funny too because I think as the audience, like we were at least for me, I was realizing like, oh, okay, this is about to be the one location for the rest of this movie, basically. And but th- so I was kind of, as an audience member, I'm like, man, I thought this was gonna be different. Like I didn't know it was gonna. And then at the same time, right, right. I wanted to see, I wanted to see them going out and stuff. And now Jim Brown expressed that exact same sentiment. This shit was so funny to me. It, it, you're right in that it was like, <laughs> look, man. This a place, so lock in, bro. This is where right. we're staying. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck. I thought we was going to see some more shit. Nope. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, what yeah. you got. <laughs> going back to the uh, to the Jim Brown outside the, the house thing, mm-hmm. you know, that, that scene is a way I've described racism, like, many, many times. Uh, South Korea is very racist in that specific way. San Diego is. <laughs> And I say that people say, you know, like South Korea, like I've been there. It's not like that. And I'll say like, yeah, it is. Like I had the time of my life in South Korea. I loved it. But once you cross a certain line, they're like, oh, come on. You don't <laughs> like I love you, but you're not you're not a citizen. You're not Korean. You get it. And it's this very mm-hmm. like pleasant brand of racism that a it makes everyone feel good kind of and B can easily be like glossed over. And 
Um, I've gotten in many arguments with many white ladies about what the Orange County is, where they grew up. Like, oh, it's not, we're not racist. It's exactly that. Mean? Yes. Look, yep. It's exactly mm-hmm. that scene. I can be up and down Orange County and motherfuckers will like literally walk out of their houses to shake my hand just because I'm tall and black. And then let me be like, but damn, my man Hassan needs to get paid more for this, his tour, man. He's touring with all these white women. Like, <gasps> Rod, come on. You're in Orange County. You don't talk like that here. You know that. And, I, and, I, and people don't get it. And I love that scene because I just, I think a lot of these movies aren't for us. They're for white people. Uh, mm. Which is why I don't watch a lot of them. I probably wouldn't have watched this if you hadn't suggested it, Chris. It's not hating on the movie. It's just I don't need these messages over I and over that. again. Uh, that. But that scene, yes, white people watch this movie and watch that scene and know exactly what our lives are like. And when I say our, I mean like the people you think have beaten racism. People who you're like, man, you talk like this and you run like that and you act like this and you're so smart and you're so articulate. How can the world hold you down? That fucking scene is how. And also, <laughs> that is how. racism is the strongest form of racism, bro. That is mm-hmm. the shit that keeps it going. Because like yeah. Rod just said, go to, you go to private schools. Everybody like, oh, you're my buddy. You're my friend. You go to fucking, you play sports. Oh, fucking anytime, bro. Anything you need. Da, 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 da. But at the end of the day, like I said at the top, you a nigga. No, nah, man. Mm-hmm. Like there's always going to be limits. There's going to be asterisks to the thing. And you know mm-hmm. what? Shout out Regina King. Fucking getting dubs this year, doing getting her fucking Emmy for uh, Watchmen, and then coming out with this. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And as you said, I usually hate these movies too, but this feels like less of. Um, what's the one about the women that went to space? Um, hidden, hidden figures. Hidden, hidden figures, figures. Hidden figures. Like, I I hate to fucking say it. That's disrespectful. Actually, I'm not even gonna say it. Skip past that. <laughs> Um, All right. You already like, called it corny, man. Coach Can't Carter. put it back. In no, I was gonna too. talk about Green Book, that piece of shit. Like these are book movies made for white, like Twelve Years a Slave. Like I don't need to know this shit, nigga. I'm aware I'm black, motherfucker. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you, the one who need to know this shit. Mm-hmm. But this is still nuanced enough where there are parts where it's like this is also the black people have talked about black people, which is yeah. like, with the best scene with Sam Cooke is in the hotel where he's trying to do his thing. He's like, yeah, cool, nigga. I ain't trying to hear all that. That's you being in the game. I'm not going to mm-hmm. jump ahead to there yet, but it's still like, there are moments in this movie where I was like, this is for niggas as well. This isn't just one of those movies, even though on paper, it feels like it is one of those. Yeah. I think the difference is like the, the scene there's, there's actually not a lot of scenes of racism in the movie, like overt racism. And I think it's because the scene, the, the times in the movie that racism is depicted, it's like used to like inform the decisions of the characters later on. Like that, that's that racism, you know, Jim Brown only being as good as his, as his physical, you know, abilities on the field is one of the reasons why he quits football later. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, and that's what I think makes it more for us because it's about, ultimately it's about these characters journeys. It's not about, Ooh, look, look at what racism is like. You know what I'm saying? It's also the juxtaposition of these people who are all Muhammad or Cassius at this point, Jim Brown, Mm -hmm. Sam Cooke, all, all niggas who are supposed to be bigger than niggas. Right. Ju- right. Juxtaposed to the most militant motherfucker who's ever existed, right? Yeah. <laughs> like on paper of like for, for the movement yeah. of people. And mm-hmm. to see how like that 
you think that you're playing different games, but the games are the same. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you don't get to escape the thing because they think you're acceptable. Like all of y'all are very successful. All y'all niggas is rich, but we still fighting (laughs) the same shit. (laughs) This whole thing at the point. I think it's I, I what I liked about the movie is just reminding me of how young these people were too. Yeah. Uh yeah. I think it's incredible that Muhammad Ali at age 22 had already been talking with Malcolm X for over a year and was ready yeah. to dedicate the next 50 years of his life to being Muhammad Ali and no longer Cassius Clay. Uh yeah. Jim Brown crazy. at the time was I mean, the movie doesn't talk about it a lot, so you'd have to just know this if for any football historians here. Was so fucking good at football and just quit, like, at the top of his game. At a time when, like, football was... Li- it was like football and baseball yeah. was everything. And that and to walk away at that point was unheard of. You played until you broke. And he was breaking people still and just walked away. Uh, yeah. And even, like, I guess he would be more infamous, but Malcolm X, like, these people were, like, carrying the weight of black culture as children, basically. At the time when I was still figuring out if I liked vodka or whiskey more, these guys are out here, like, changing the world, you know what I mean? And and, and in understanding the weight of that responsibility is enormous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that is um, one of the greatest argument and this is why this is definitely for black people uh alluded to it before is the sam cook and malcolm when they finally come to a head so you plant the seed at the beginning with the wife going i'm fine staying where muhammad where all the black people at why we gotta be here mm-hmm. and both of us know there are niggas who are like nope if I can get this, if I can get this particular group of white people to accept me, I can now have freedom. I am now equal. And it's like, mm-hmm. you aren't going to be, bro. Like, but you still have a platform and you should utilize the platform to the best you mm-hmm. can. And it also, at the same point, highlights to there is more ways to go about this shit than just one. You don't have to be creeping, looking out the window, ready to pop a nigga. That's not everybody. There are people who are like, I'm giving motherfuckers money, bro. Like, my my yeah. homie said he was mad about the shit. I'm not putting nobody in 360 deals. I'm not doing fucking <laughs> uh, Mr. Yeah. Barry Gordon. I'm getting these motherfuckers paid. And is it financial yeah. freedom the most freedom you can have? And it's like, yes, but to a point, bro. Mm-hmm. To a point. So That's it's like Kanye this. West. <laughs> exactly. That's beyond the point. OJ niggas. Jim Brown not OJ. Jim Brown know he black. Jim Brown ain't gonna say no stupid ass shit like I'm not black. I'm OJ. What the fuck, nigga? What is wrong with you? Kill yourself. Tiger Woods, Cablasian. Yes. That boy I mean, I wrote a long thing about Tiger Woods. It's it's entirely different. I think it's a little bit different. But uh, Asan, I'm curious about your opinion on how Mal- how Malcolm X was portrayed because I don't think he's been portrayed like this in a movie that I've ever seen. Hmm. And I feel like it really like made him a much more sympathetic character, especially since you could tell the whole movie, he's kind of like looking out windows and like he, it's almost like he knows he's going to die soon and is doing his best to yeah. move on. Like and I, and I, and I haven't seen that side <laughs> in that way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. I think uh, that definitely we saw a more vulnerable um, Malcolm X than like, than the Denzel portrayal. I think Denzel, uh, because of who he is, and the I think 
the way we see Denzel now, I think for me, kind of colors the way we look at his portrayal of Malcolm X. It's like a little bit more like, you know, he's Denzel. So like, you don't really see like the <laughs> the vulnerability in him. You just see like, that's Denzel. Like He's going to be all right, you know. But um, when you watch this guy, like there's a lot more vulnerability in the performance. You can tell he's scared. And I think uh, fear is kind of, and, and you know, a, a, a righteous fear. It's not like, you know, he's just shaking in his boots. But like, you know, he he's, he's rightfully fearful of what's going to happen to him, but more so like what's going to happen to his family, what's going to happen to the movement um, after, you know, um, it, you know, if he were to die or something were to happen to, to one of these four like pillars of, of black success at the time. And that, that really like paints his entire performance as like this sort of like underlying kind of paranoia and kind of like fear. And I thought that was an interesting, I think that was an interesting take. I, I liked it for this movie uh, because it makes him feel a little bit more human when he has to become sort of like an antagonist towards Sam Cooke. Like I buy those moments a little bit more because you the, his his own fear and concern is like, is, is palpable throughout the whole movie. So then when he's, you know, directing that energy as Sam Cooke, like you, it, it feels more real. Like, of course he's acting like this. This man is scared that, you know, he's fearful for his life right now, you know? And also yeah. he's always portrayed as the militant to Martin right. Luther King's great white angel. Pacifist. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, mm -mm, yeah. he was the one just walking and we let shoot with the water hoses. Malcolm right. said, mm -mm, I don't like crackers who are evil devils. He was just shooting people. And it's like, no, he was a human being trying yeah. to say that we are getting fucked and I would like our people to not be fucked. Is that crazy? And like, mm -hmm. he saw the weight of being that symbol like more so than any other literature. Like if you watch a bunch of like Malcolm speeches or you like you listen to him talk, he's this is more the vibe than Denzel's who was at the end right. of the day still Denzel in training day. Like. Yes, for sure. <laughs> but I, I I wanted to I'm glad you circled back to that because I had a feeling and I looked it up. You know, because I was in LA in nineteen ninety two when Malcolm X came out. Uh mm -hmm. it came out a year and a half. A more like a like almost two years after uh, Rodney King, so I think it's not just that you know Denzel plays it in a militant way. I think that the movie being made at all and the movies that followed in those next couple of years, like Boys in the Hood and all these other movies, had a militant feel to them because black people were thirsty for justice, at least on screen, because we weren't getting it in in real life, and there were so many events happening in that couple of years. Uh, I don't think Denzel could have played Malcolm X in some soft ass way in the middle of like, I think it came out like a month after the riots. Like it's, <laughs> this isn't like <laughs> the timing is like crazy with when that movie dropped and what was actually happening in the real world. I think in today's world, it's as there's as honestly, I would say more white people marching even than black people for <laughs> this summer from what I've seen it opens the door for these like kind of softer narratives that can add uh, more depth to some of these people and adding depth is a funny way to put it. Just tell their story in a more holistic fashion. This, mm -hmm. this is a great example of nuance. I think that's what I was trying to say earlier with the, the, the differences in them is that black people have in media have, and just in life have always had to be, like archetypes of black people, no matter what your lane was, you had to be one of these four archetypes of nigga and you couldn't be anything else. And there's nuance. Nobody is all one thing. Nobody is mm -hmm. a monolith. You have to be a little bit of everything. And what you were saying with the new 
climate that we are in, we get to explore that nuance. So you get to mm-hmm. see not just characters, but like Jim Brown asking, why light-skinned brother's always the most militant? That's a great thing to ask because a lot of motherfuckers got that question. How is the, the most, the, the main one going, oh, no, fuck these devils, da, 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 da. Bro, look at you. Like, what you talking mm-hmm. about? You know it's not the same. You know it's not I, the fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want you guys' opinion on this because you just, I was thinking about this during the movie and you just reminded me. You know, I would call myself more militant than the average black person. I don't know what, there's not like obviously some scale on the wall or something, but I -hmm. also grew up around the most white people. And I think that the movie touching on that is when you feel kind of the, the hurt from both sides, it can make you more maybe overall pessimistic, but also I think, cause I, I play with a lot of dudes who basically until they got to college basketball or overseas basketball or whatever had never left the hood. And Mm -hmm. white people in that context can be seen as can be seen as more of like a nuisance, like a mosquito got into your house or something. I mean, obviously the police and the system are always in your face, but white people in general, you might not interact with them that much. Me having to interact with them every day for fucking years, there are days where I hate them, and there's other days where I'm like, nah, but I get you though. And I think it also like not only makes me more militant, but it also makes me feel like I'm I'm sort of I'm some sort of catalyst as far as like bridging the two gaps and having effective communication for both sides. And I think you guys are somewhat examples of that also. So I wanted your thoughts on that. Sorry, you go first. Sure. Uh, I think sometimes um, uh, I I also came from a a very diverse background. I grew up around a lot of different kinds of people. The high school I went to was very like a a really multicultural uh, high school. I think growing up in environments like that where you see – it's kind of like when you get more, when you have more perspective and more like experiences with people of different cultures and stuff like that, you have, you typically have more capacity to think about those issues. Whereas I think people who are from, um, area, it's people who are typically from areas where they are spending their time predominantly around black people. Those unfortunately, uh, tend to be lower income areas. They tend to be, um, higher crime percentage areas. And so most of your capacity in like your sort of like your mental space is occupied with just like the regular, the regular day to day kind of like survival shit. Like I, you know, I need to go to school. I need to do this. I need to blah, 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 blah. So I think, I think, you know, um, as someone coming from Southern California, a more diverse background, like San Diego or something like that. Like, I think we just have more capacity to, to, to contemplate these issues as we grow up, because, you know, we're not having to deal with some of the stresses that other people, you know, may have to, may have to concern themselves with. So like, you know, the sort of inherent racism or whatever that is, is baked into society. Like if, you know, if I'm in the hood, I'm not, I'm not thinking about that. I'm not worried about that um, necessarily. I mean, there obviously are outliers and people who are, are not typical in that fashion, but like, you know, they're typically not thinking about that because like they're, they're worried about other shit. Like they're worried about trying to survive, trying to eat, trying to, you know, you know, do all that, that kind of stuff. But, you know, when you have a little bit more like space to, to, to carry that, oftentimes you do, you know what I'm saying? That, that's, that's my, that's my own, you know, as far as I'll speak for me, but. Yeah. And in a way, in a way to say the same thing in a different way, the yeah. ability to have that capacity is to understand the nuance. If you are yeah. a nigga in the hood, you are only 
a white man is the man. You know what I mean? It's a it's a it's right. an idea more so than it is an execution. Yeah. When you get to yeah. see the Jim it's Brown, abstract. Yeah. exactly. It's just like oh, the, yeah. the twelve is twelve or it's the nigga who's yeah. not hiring me for a job. They're like one of yeah, those two yeah. things. Fuck those motherfuckers. I don't see him no yeah. other time. But if you are mm-hmm. doing the Jim Brown shit. One step above the Jim Brown shit, you dating that nigga's daughter. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're doing all these little things where you get to see the, all the soft racism's facades and many faces and like nuances. You are at having to ask yourself questions more often than not that those other dudes don't have to ask themselves. So like right. my, my mom made a point. She was like, I need you to be raised in both. So I would go over to my cousin's mm-hmm. house. Or ghetto niggas fight these motherfuckers, do all this shit. But it was a point of you got to know how to carry yourself everywhere, and to know how to carry yourself mm-hmm. everywhere is to know the negatives of both worlds and the positive of both worlds. And once you have that realization, you go fuck, 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 fuck. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. constantly seeing not only the idea of the big bad, the problems mm-hmm. that keep the big bad the big bad. Is that all these people who think they're just doing okay and do think doing all right? All the white people who want to post about Dr. King but not read the fucking uh the jail letter is like, bro, like, mm. no, you doing your soft racism is helping the big problem. And mm-hmm. I can only know that that is the case in a truth and a fact because I'm around this shit. Mm-hmm. I have to see it and deal with it and hang out with it. And like I have to let the little slide remark go because, like, what am I fight every day, all day? Right. Because like, you sing along to DMX. Like, God, I can only fight so many niggas who are rapping to DMX and saying nigga, bro. I can only <laughs> slap so many fucking white dudes who try to fucking talk slick because they think I'm not going to do some shit. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and also, I'm in a situation where if I do act out on these motherfuckers, I'm fucked. I know the consequences. Mm-hmm. I know what happens. And then when I go over to niggas, you're seeing them just. Be docile and be what they want you to be. So you're like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> like, you are helping them do what they want to happen. You do a mm-hmm. long, you do a long track slavery, bro. And so you're just aggravated of like, do you not see it? Do you not see it? I mm-hmm. have to see it. But you know, that's a whole different thing from the light skin thing. That's just a living in both worlds thing. I think that's why yeah. I was obviously say I'm a militant motherfucker as well. And I think that's more so where it comes from. Mm It's seeing that duality makes you have to ask yourself questions that then go out to the world and be like, well, why is this? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that the, the, the reason the movie, I agree with everything both of you guys said. I think the reason the movie Mm -hmm. highlighted that is because all of them in that time, like white oppression was completely unavoidable. You couldn't just go just chill and like pretend it didn't exist because the spaces were entirely separate on purpose. And then Malcolm also, Jim Brown alludes to, felt pressure from black people because he was lighter. He wasn't treated as being black also. So he, in a different way, still had that duality of perspective of be, of seeing both sides as like an enemy, but wanting both of them to not be necessarily, or at least wanting black people to not be his enemy. Um, if we're going by what Jim Brown said, but I thought that his performance and that like kind of, uh, that specific encapsulation gave some, I don't know if it's historical background cause the movie is largely made up, but 
could provide some historical background as to like, yeah, why were did this particular man choose to be so angry all the time? And the mm-hmm. answer is it wasn't a choice. It's he was properly positioned to be angry all the time. Uh, as the same as Chris was when we were still doing UCB shows. Nah, nigga, right. I'll say, nigga, on stage, I'd fuck these people. I don't know. Fuck the Herald. <laughs> ah, I'd do it my own way. <laughs> <laughs> and then go party with a lot of white hoes right after. <laughs> Love it. Ah. <laughs> when the sisters broke you gotta call attention to it. But I don't mean you can't have fun with people. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. But, um, <laughs> I mean, Jim Brown, did Jim Brown also say that line or was that Ali? That was Jim Brown. He was like, I also like white bitches. Some... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. I think that was Jim Brown. Yeah, that's for sure. It. I think that's Sam Cook alluded to it also. Sam Cook. Mm-hmm. So okay. So I think this is the greatest um, portrayal that I have seen thus far of a reasoning to Coonan. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there are certain parts of the thing that is self-preservation. You think that you are doing the best possible thing for your people or yourself in your way. And every, every motherfucker who I know is a black Republican or anything where it's like, this is, this is, I'm going against the grain of being black. It's always a nigga was like, this is the way that I figured to uplift air quote. My community and my community is small and Mm -hmm. narrow and it is only my family and my immediate circle and fuck the greater whole thing as long as I'm making the people who are touching me some money because money is how you get out of hmm. not realizing the greater picture of no bro it's uplifting the whole to get to the access of knowledge that you have to alleviate the problem you don't mm-hmm. you won't want to go to the fucking Coca Cabana or whatever the fuck the place was, he kept gassing up. That is my that is my problem with UCB or all these things of like you don't want to go to X Y Z if that's the only thing. That's why you say you want to mm. go to that so bad because it's the only thing, nigga. Why don't we right. make some things that this is our thing, or that yeah. there's a thing that everybody can go to because it's 2020. You're right, so everybody's included. But right. still, <laughs> the point is, if you exalt what they have deemed to be acceptable or good or great or, or exceptional, you are still chasing a lot that was put upon you. Mm-hmm. So until you realize that you are chasing something that is unobtainable, you are whipping yourself on the back with the idea that you are succeeding and progressing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I, I think the Sam, uh, the Sam Cooke character... Um, it was really his movie in a lot of ways. Um, he was like the only character who had like, I mean, he was the only character, (laughs) but he definitely definitely (laughs) had the strong, he definitely had the strongest arc. Um, and I, I like the thing. I like the, the, the sort of the, the question that the movie was asking for his character is when, like, when he said like, um, his whole excuse for like why he was making the type of music he was making was that he was, trying to let you know he you know i'm not selling the dancing like james, like james brown and all these other people i'm i'm selling myself and my voice and i'm allow, i'm allowing you know my voice to tell the message which 
is true. And I, I like that message about it. But then I like that it was it was asking the question of like, OK, like at what point is just selling your voice like a, a causing you to abandon having any sort of substance to your music or saying anything? And I and I, I like that the movie was asking, where is that line? And then, you know, he had to ultimately figure out where that line is for himself, just like we all do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I thought that was really cool. Like, I thought that 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 issue with Sam Cooke, I thought was handled really well. Yeah, Cooning might be the wrong word. It's <laughs> it's the sacrifices we make to be successful. I think you have is to what, is what happens. Shit. Yeah, I think cooning is what happens when you completely go to one end of that spectrum. You know True. what I'm saying? Yeah, he, to where you're just you know you you have no message whatsoever and you're just trying to be accepted. It's you know? if it's if you don't have the turn that he has at the end and you still right. go shut up, nigga. No, get the fuck out of here. But <laughs> right. Like, it, well, I, no, I, I would say it would stop short of that. I would say it would stop short of that. I mean. So I would say I would say Cooning would take more than that because if he didn't have to turn at the end, he still had all his valid points about how he took his music and used it to help other black entertainers. I just think that the problem with that argument is it's the same one a white executive would make. Like it's not it it, it doesn't have any other weight towards the black community. It's just like someone who's pretending to be colorblind, but the opening scene shows that he can't afford to be colorblind because he's. He has a harder path, and he's noticed his harder path that he can't just go into the Copacabana and sing without people, you know, disrespecting him and shit like that. Mm -hmm. I think that the, it, as we are all black creators and we are mm -hmm. all people who walk this line, I think you know Kunin when you see it because it's so strong. It's not, <laughs> it doesn't have a counter argument. It's like, right. oh, you just, well, it, ha this it has is to where be strong. You are. In, yeah, it has to be strong yeah. in 2020. Like, that's, it's got to be strong. That's why you know? I tried to, that's why I tried to backpedal to Kooning a little bit. <laughs> and it's, it's because it's, I, not to say that that's not, it's a, it's a disservice to what the argument actually is in the movie to say that right. it's just Kooning. It is. Right, right. right. As you were just alluding to, Rod, you have to make sacrifices to succeed. It's like, I was talking to homie about this today. You think I don't want to fucking tell off every fucking white person who's talking to me out of their side of their fucking mouth because they think they can still do I'm a in a structure of, yeah, but guess what? <laughs> I bite my tongue a lot more than I should, bro. Like, yeah. Rihanna every now and again does have to go, hey, nigga, we trying to catch this check. And, but like, every, like, but isn't it crazy that I, we, are at a disservice if we don't do that. Like, imagine, imagine if Tom told fucking Jack, "Hey, Jack, I basically, but will like, I smile and be in PC about it?" Goes, "I mm -hmm. think you're not good at this because you're you, mm -hmm. and so I get to treat you all any type of fucking way." And I just have to right. go, "Okay, Tom, sure." Like the fuck, this ain't the office, nigga. Get the fuck out of my right. face. What are you talking about? No, no, no. <laughs> like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm fucking knows? doing it. Okay, <laughs> but no, but okay, no. One more time. <laughs> right. You do like Sam did. Have to know where your line is. Yeah, it's like you do have to make. You do have to swallow some things. You Wait, can't be. So I have a question. You can't I have always a question be for you guys because hey, if, hold on. If I can, the, can I just tag on yeah, what yeah, uh, Chris is it, saying real quick? Um, because if I'm being completely honest, like. I don't want all black music to have to be protest music. 
right. you know what I'm saying? And I think that's the whole point. Like I, every every time every time I turn on the radio, I don't want to have to hear uh, Public Enemy or some shit. Like I like Public Enemy, and there's a time for that. But like sometimes I want to hear music that's just lit and it's just fun to listen to. You know what I'm saying? And I think that is the point that that Sam Cooke is trying to make is like I want my art to you know I'm not I'm not the one called to be the Malcolm X of the group. We have a Malcolm X, and there's plenty of musicians using their using their talents who who have the capacity to use their talents and both be militant about it. But I'm using my talents to speak to my gifting as a black man. And, and you know, and I, I like that message about it because but then, yeah, I just thought it was cool because yeah. I, I think that is sometimes too like if if we're not careful as a black culture, we will um, we will trick ourselves into thinking that we have to carry the burden for what other people have to catch up to in terms of their perspective. And we don't always have to do that. You know what I'm saying? We should have the freedom as a people. That's what really quality looks like is being free as a people to know everything I do does not have to be a lesson for white people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I shouldn't have to be burdened with that as, as someone who's been historically oppressed. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's, not my, it's not my job to teach you. <laughs> right. As, right. As Donald Glover said, I, yeah. white kids get to wear whatever hat they want. That means yeah. why do I only have to fit in these two lanes, bro? Let, yeah. Like, isn't it fucking crazy that while it is necessary at the time, because you're breaking doors, and that is the curse of being someone who opens doors, is that you don't have right. freedom. You have to break the door down. But yeah. in doing so, you are hampered by ne the necessity, as Malcolm is saying, to have right. that depth. Because yeah, for sure. You got to sing well, the me... spiritual. You got to let these Negroes know to come to the North, bro. <laughs> let me say this. I was going to ask this as a question, but I'll just say it as a statement because I want to piggyback off what you just said, which is I think All right. our older generation, like my mom's generation on up, most of them mm -hmm. are on the Sam Cooke side, at least when they got older. Like, mm. like just get your money. The world's going to keep fucking you. Maybe it's just something that's when you keep trying and the door never opens you just say like hey just turn inward and get that money i know specifically my mom is like that and we clash on that but i was gonna say when you were talking asan that you know you really just reminded me that i think current like progressivism in general mm -hmm. because a lot of the leaders in these movements don't come with the nuance we have yeah, right i think that there's like kind of the expectation that things can be light is starting to like die a little bit. And uh, I don't mean like that it's, I'm saying like there's cancel culture or like there's problems and all that, but I do think that like things without a message are really starting to go by the wayside. And, yeah. and, but I don't mean like that people don't look for those things anymore. Right. Uh, and I, I, I had this talk, you know, I actually brought it up when we were talking to Justin Long and Steven Root. Mm -hmm. You know, The Office is still the most watched show on TV. The Office yeah. can't get made today mm. because it, it, it doesn't check enough boxes on the diversity. It doesn't. Uh, the boss is too problematic. The, you know, the characters uh, reinforce mm -hmm. stereotypes. And yet me knowing all that, I fucking still love that shit. I quote it all the time. <laughs> it's the most watched show on TV, meaning people have still a need for shit to just not matter sometimes. But also, it's hard because when you do make something that doesn't matter, there's a section of the country that's loud enough that will be like, oh, you're doing that again? We're, yeah. <laughs> it's done. You're over ABC. We're, we're moving to Netflix or whatever. And it's like, guys, take a step. White ladies, take a step back. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Some things can still be shitty if it's told the right way. Like Michael Scott is yeah. shitty, but he also is he's delivering the shittiness in a way that still exists. Also, if we pretend everything is great or every like that, only the these types of stories can be told. We're also papering over the fact that Michael Scotts are still everywhere, bro. They're not going mm-hmm. anywhere. Why do we stop pretending this part of the yeah. country exists? Can't, yeah, you can't clean uh, in a PC way at the point of taking away reality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then also on a, a similar thing with the different note, kind of to the hats thing is, I mean, I said this before: black people deserve to make whack shit, bro. Like white people been able to do it forever, bro. 100%. Black people deserve to get paid making whack shit. Like I, I would say that shit a thousand times over, bro. Mm-hmm. I watched what was the movie? It was it was a movie with uh, I think um, I think it was with Issa Rae. It was some type of like romance thing, and I was like, this movie is fucking garbage. But you know what mm-hmm. I did? I played that bitch and went in the different room. I played <laughs> I pressed play <laughs> yeah, on this, and 100%. she got the stream and went in a different room because mediocrity is the true sign of progress. Like, why For do sure. I have to be exceptional? Well, yeah, being like, allowed to fail is real freedom for sure. That is it. Yeah, but that's what know. I wrote about Tiger Woods. I mean, I'll probably put it out. I can't really talk about where it's supposed to go yet because I haven't signed that contract yet. But the uh, what I what I basically wrote is that if you did you watch the Tiger Woods documentary at all? We might do a full episode on it. I didn't finish it. Yeah, no, finish it. It's it's fascinating, but also you know they make the all they they spell out all these villains, be it you know. The women, his father, you know, mm-hmm. the inability to cope emotionally, opioids, etc. And I'm like, no, the real villain on the, in this movie is that in this in Tiger Woods' whole life is the idea of perfection and the fact that to be to immerse himself in golf, he had to present as perfect. If not for that, nothing he's done would get him reprimanded by NASCAR, by the NFL. By any other sport or any other fucking thing he could have been exceptional at, it was just golf because to be the only black man in golf meant he had to literally be better in every single way than everyone. And they could not wait to see something that he was bad at to where the fucking commissioner of the Masters gave a whole speech like, we condemn Tiger Woods' actions. Like, do you, motherfucker? You don't even allow... When he gave that speech, women weren't allowed, right? It's like... Who's the dude who's Do you give a fuck about Masters? infidelity if you've never allowed women in your... Because I know where... Play, I've been around the world. Places where women aren't allowed means women are coming in. They're just not <laughs> with rings on their fingers, my guy. This is not fucking rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> the same place where a sport that the dude who's running the sport goes, I'll be... I, over my dead body, a nigga will play on this motherfucking thing. And it's yeah. like... That's like, come on, bro. Crazy. Uh yeah, we'll we'll get into that some other time because I have a lot to say <laughs> about that documentary. Asan, uh, uh, we we reach in an hour here. Just want to know, like, what's uh what's coming up for you, dog? What can we what can we look for in your world? Oh man, um, you I mean you can I update stuff periodically on social media, so you can look for me at Asan the DJ on social media. Um, also, uh, just yeah, check my pods out. Uh, I have a podcast called The Weekly Regular where I just have a weekly conversation with random co-hosts and we talk about everything from pop culture to just anything to aliens. I did an episode on aliens recently. Like we just talk about whatever. And then I also have a podcast that's a subscriber only podcast called Carl calls his cousin, where I talk on the phone with Carl Tart, my cousin. And we just talk about 
random ass shit. And it is, yeah, it's fun. Well, so nigga, you can find both those. Well, that's we talking about it. some random shit. That's true. <laughs> that's what I do best. Talk about random shit. So, yeah, you can find me at those things. Those are the, the most active things right now. I'm starting a Twitch channel, but it's not up yet. Hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, that's where you can find me. There you go. Uh, Chris, you got anything else? What's what's good? What's good with you? You still you Nothing still dating much. person who I can't say? Cause I'm real excited. I'm gonna be back soon. We gonna kick it, <laughs> big celebrity style, baby. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Big teams <laughs> out here, bro. Big massive. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I seen I seen Con in an IG post, and I was like, <laughs> son, yes. Let's go. <laughs> Niggas are actually the most, bro. Pressing <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying our time. Um, yeah, bro. I don't really have anything, dog. Um, same grinds uh, out here trying to uh, get these white people to cut these checks, bro. That's about it. Yes, same sir. Well, I can take this moment to announce that I'll be broadcasting my first game on the Pac-12 Network on uh, yeah, yeah. Boop, 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 February sixth, Utah Dope. versus Arizona State. Let's hope I don't curse or piss off too many white people. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get that Congrats, money. bro. <laughs> get all your curses in before, bro. Just watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch like a, a, a white liberal debate about black lives. You know what I'm saying? So you mm-hmm. can just cuss at the screen and get it all just out. Just vent. All right. So you're saying just go to birds for an hour and then I'll be ready. Exactly. I mean, you're you're in Canada. You can you can figure it out. Just go outside, have a debate. Be like, what do you think about police? Right. <laughs> like, exactly. No, I mean, in Canada, it's way different. Every person will be like, "Yeah, fucking a, right?" Like, I don't know. I can't do any accents. I'm bad. to say, what was that? They're on our side. Is my point. He did a non-full commit British. We tried to just play that. I don't know what I went to. I don't know what I went to. I've gotten worse at accents since this podcast. Fucking <laughs> oh right? man all right Asan, we holler at you man thanks for coming on thank you fellas appreciate it it was a good time it was great bro all right peace all right later thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube